0: Good morning. You doing good? I hope you are doing great. They wanted to clap for you, buddy. Yeah, now you're talking. <laughs> That's so fun. So fun. I just love it. You guys are amazing. This is a, this is a huge weekend. It's, uh, it's the launch of a campaign, a three-week series to talk about the vision of Timberline Church and our future. It's a little scary, some of the things I'm going to be telling you today. It's it's a huge challenge for us as a church in leadership, and we couldn't really talk about this publicly until yesterday, and so we feel pretty excited. The, The open space idea of this campaign and this series has to do with the love that we seem to have for open spaces in our world. How many of you live... In a neighborhood where part of what sold you to that neighborhood was either green belts or open spaces, and they they call it that. See, that's that's huge. We have even labels between Fort Collins and love It's called open space. And it's this idea that it's untouched, it's gonna stay natural. And I think I think the idea of today and this weekend is to say, what are those untouched areas that God is calling us to as a church so that we can be willing to move and go? And, and give and share our lives with, in areas in ways that have never been done before. I, I love the fact that when I think of, of people who have been attracted toward open spaces, I immediately thought of those travelers moving west by wagon and horse. How many of you remember those days? Anybody? Okay, none of you. Um, It was the adventure that was unknown. It was kind of the promised land. It was all this stuff, settling into a new place. We're gonna go there. It's a new beginning for our family. It's a new space that we can have. God is opening doors for Timberline in a very familiar way. It takes me back to a lot of memories that I've had when we have kind of moments as a church where doors are open to us that are bigger than what we know what to do with. We've always been a church with big vision and extreme ideas. And you have allowed that to happen by participating, being here, and and trusting God. So before I talk about specifics, which I am in a moment, I want you to just turn to the back of your program, follow along. I want to talk about some unexpected moments in the life of Jesus. Because Jesus surprised people by what he said and by what he did. And it's a great base for us today to understand he's still surprising us. He's still calling us to do things that feel unexpected. And as we walk through this outline, I want you to just write this down first. New places and spaces. Number one in your outline there. New places and new spaces. The idea of this truly is that sometimes Jesus surprised people by where he went and where he didn't go. Now, he's about to surprise the disciples because he's been teaching healing people in a certain town, and he gets up early in the morning and goes to pray. Well, they didn't see him leave. He's a sneak. you got to watch him. And those disciples wake up, and there's lines of people in the city waiting for Jesus because they want more. And, and they're bugging the disciples like, where did he go? And they're like, we don't know. <laughs> he did not talk to us about this. And it's pretty rare for a rabbi or a leader to have a crowd and walk away from the crowd. And so let's just read it. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. I love that about Jesus. Later, Simon and others went to find him. When they found him, they said, and I might add, with some irritation. There's a couple other authors who talk about this irritation. Everyone is looking for you. Kind of like, dude, we've got a crowd here. We've got to do a book signing. They're lined up. Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. Here's the deal. Jesus would not be confined by a space where he was accepted and appreciated. He kept moving to that next place. A few years ago, probably four, I think about four years ago, a man set up an appointment and came into my office to talk to me. I had no idea what would take place, but now I see the fruit of that meeting. His name is Aaron. It did not take him very long to tell me why he came to see me. He said that he owned and operated a place called The Hunt Club. The Hunt Club is a strip club, exotic club, I don't know even what you call it, but it's, it's over on Link Lane, uh, just off of Mulberry. I know none of you know where it is. <laughs> now you do know where it is because it's by the roller rink. And I remember taking our kids there many years ago and thinking how odd is this that here's this roller rink and here's this adult strip club and it just seemed like that's not a good same block to be on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? So it was always kinda kind of weird so I, I knew where it was. Well. He began to tell me his story, which you will later hear next weekend in more full detail. He will be on this platform. I'm very excited about that. Matter of fact, Aaron, would you just stand, just for a second, would you just welcome Aaron? He's he's an amazing guy. He told me about a dancer at the club who was waiting for her ride home. And she got up the nerve to talk to the owner, which is a big deal especially because of what the message was she was gonna give him. She was a dancer there, but her mom said, I want you to give the owner a message when you go to the club tonight. And here was the message, quote, my mom and some of her friends from Timberline Church are praying for you every day. That planted a seed of Timberline Church in Aaron's heart, and he thought he needed to come and talk to me about what God was doing in him. Aaron came to a strong faith in Jesus Christ, which is a whole different big story. He went on to say to me that he really wanted to get this place closed down. It was a little out of his control because there were other people involved, and we have been on a long journey these years for this moment. A few months ago, the opportunity came up for us to move on that action and hope that that place could clothes. Aaron took me, <laughs> this is crazy, Aaron took me and two other Timberline pastors to the hunt club. <laughs> I, during non-operating hours. I had I, never seen a place like, I grew up, if you know my story, I, I've walked with God my whole life. I'm not perfect, I have my own issues, but but I've never been out there in that kind of a realm. So this was my first experience even to be exposed to what happens in a place like that. And it really seems strange, because Bonnie obviously praying my wife for this whole big story, and it seemed really odd. When I told my wife I was gonna go to the hunt club, she said, wow, this is really exciting and miraculous. (laughs) We begin talking about the possibilities of buying that building and putting a new church campus there. Gosh, I didn't think I would be this emotional. I, I thought I got all this out last night. Our desire is to plan a new church that offers hope and new beginnings in the darkest places of our city and to the most broken and most homeless, hopeless people in our community. It's gonna have a name that is something around the genesis or a new beginning idea. We began to pray. We began our pastoral team, our deacon team, prayer teams in our church, local missions. Many of you in this room were a part of that and just walk kindly around that property praying, God, what is your heart? What do you want us to do? How can we make a difference? How can we love these people as well? Our pastors and deacons are 100% for this project and we are in unity walking down this road. We should have this contract. We hope to have it on Friday, but we believe we've been told probably Monday or Tuesday of this week we'll be under contract to buy that place. And it's gonna be an exciting endeavor, but the big news that I couldn't say last night is that um, they decided since we were going public with this today that they would make their last night of official business at the Hunt Club last night. And so at 2 a.m. this morning, they sat down with their employees and said, we um, are done with business for a variety of reasons. And they said goodbye to their staff and team and the Hunt Club is no more. Powerful. Amazing. Aaron, wow. Crazy. Now, I, I I wanna tell you that this is really an important thing because I, On our way back from our first visit to the hunt club, that sounds funny. (laughs) (laughs) Looking at the facility. We were in the car, Pastor Rob Coles and Pastor Darrell Haley. We got back in my car and we were headed back to this campus and it was kinda quiet. We had had a prayer time inside the building and Aaron was telling part of his story and it was just very emotional. And we were in the car coming back and I looked over at Rob and he had tears in his eyes. (laughs) He said, quote, we have to do this, and I want to put my name in the hat to lead it. Pastor Rob and his wife Joy feel that this is God's will and plan for them, as Rob will lead a new church that will be a campus church, a pack church of Timberline Church, right here in our own community. He needs your prayers, your support, your love and care. I'm just glad he's staying local because he's one of my best friends. <laughs> so I'm happy about that. We're going to tell you the rest of this story next week with Aaron and Rob talking about what God is doing and the future. What I want us to do is focus for a moment on praying for the employees of the hunt club. It might seem odd, but many people lost their jobs last night or at 2 a.m. this morning. We've never been a church that rallies around a battle cry of we win, we're gonna defeat you, we're taking you down, that's not our heart. The heart of this church has always been to care and love people. When you lose your job and you're not sure what tomorrow holds, that's a very sensitive moment in your life when sometimes if you're open to the work of the Holy Spirit, God can speak to you clearly. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right now the Holy Spirit is working on people who lost their jobs this morning. And I want us to be sensitive and I want us to be a church who pays attention to that and who can come alongside. We've had dancers through the years who have worked at the Hunt Club who come. Some of you ladies right now in this room probably worked at the Hunt Club or other clubs in Denver. It's not unfamiliar for us at Timberland. Listen, we all have a history. We all do. So we're not walking in with a judgment. We're going to take something over. We're walking in saying God's opened a door for us with an opportunity that happens to fit with our purposes and our goals as a church to reach a city. So as you read, we have the press ready. How many of you know that when you read the newspaper, you might need to not believe everything it says, no matter what newspaper it is? I just wanna give you a heads up, we do have a press release ready when this news breaks. I don't know how they're gonna spin the story, but regardless of what you read, just come here and let us tell you week by week where we are and what we're doing, and we'll give you all the information that we have so we can stay clear on this situation because that's very important but be praying for those people who have been employed at the hunt club that God can provide because there are some things being offered to them in in a way that is godly and right I uh, the second thing how how many of you are nervous that I'm only on my second point uh, already That's, that's the biggest piece I needed to tell you, but as we launch this campaign, there's some other things that you need to know are going on around here, and that's the, the number two in your outline is a, a new sense of family interdependence. And I'm just going to take a minute on this point, but it's kind of shocking what Jesus did. It's unexpected. It's, it's beyond understanding it. And in Mark 3, verse 31, then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. They stood outside and they sent word to him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. This is so shocking. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him, and he said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now I want to just say Jesus was not teaching them to be disrespectful of their parents or their family in any way. He was setting a precedent that said, this is really a family. We really are brothers and sisters in Christ. When we gather like this, we are family. We call this the living room because we talk about real life here. You matter to me. You should matter to each other. This is, a, this is a huge point for us as a church right now as we take steps to do some of the things that we're gonna do, it can be stressful. There can be tension. There can be changes you don't like. Work hard on unity over these next few months. Watch your tongue. Know what to say and what not to say. Love one another, encourage one another because we are entering a realm of a new battlefield that I'm not sure we're fully ready for and Satan would love to wreak havoc with Timberline Church, because we're a bright light in this community and in Colorado, and I just challenge you and encourage you, be that light in every phase of your life, and let's work on unity. If you're not in a small group, I just would say, that's where so much life happens in connection and relationship, and that's why we have sign-up tables out there today. I'd love for you, when we jump into this series on the Ten Commandments, and other information is going to be disseminated through small group, so please get involved in one. The third point in your outline is this, a new sense of urgency. Here's another unexpected moment in the life of Jesus where there's this urgent request, this, this something that comes out of him that's kind of surprising. In Matthew 8, verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross over uh, to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. This is that moment when you just, I'm so compelled. I'm going I'm to do it. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the Son of Man, meaning I, have no place to even lay my head. Another one of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. He wasn't showing disrespect for a burial. What he was showing was that this is urgent. This stuff that we're involved in really matters. You know, when Bonnie and I came to Timberline Church in 1986, we were in a building over on LeMay Avenue. How many of you were there? Just wave your hand at me. It was just a wonderful, wonderful environment, a great facility. We loved it there all those years. And we began to grow as a church a lot of reasons why people were friendly, gracious, helpful. The church was in unity, we were walking together and we just began to grow. And and over 4 to 5 6 years our growth started to be significant and it started to be scary in some ways because we were outgrowing that facility and many things were happening. But I noticed as I looked at the church, we were growing by people who pretty much shared the same convictions, had the same values, kind of had the same dress code, kind of shared the same. It was kind of like a happy family church. Nothing wrong with a happy family church. But what began to happen was we got really comfortable being happy family church. I loved it, you guys. It was one of my favorite seasons as a pastor in my whole life. I knew everybody in the church, I knew their name, I knew their kids, I knew the name of their dog. (laughs) It was wonderful. I could go to coffee with anyone whenever I wanted. I was more available. I was, for me personally, it was very fulfilling. But God began to cause me to worry about this and feel stressed about this because we were becoming inward focused as a church. And though we were loving our community, we didn't have tangible ways to do that. And so we were all happy. And I started to think, God, what can we do about this situation? And God showed me a dream, gave me a dream. I don't have very many dreams, and I've, I haven't shared this in years, but I shared it back in that old building right after I had it. It was a dream that I had, and God uses dreams, but rarely in my life. Um, I, was, I was sound asleep, and I was, it was like I was standing on that platform on LeMay. I can still see it in my mind as clear as can be. And we were singing a song as a church about rain and the blessing of God. It's beginning to rain. How many of you remember that song? Okay, not too many. Um, <laughs> it was a great song, but it was this song about rain. And it was about, it's beginning to rain, it was, it was meaning the blessing of God is coming upon us. And in my dream, it started raining inside the auditorium. It was literally coming down, and it was hot in there, and it was refreshing. And this water felt so good, and I can remember lifting my face up and having that rain, that blessing of God hit me, and being so grateful for what we had inside that room the blessing of God has come. And then all of a sudden it started getting deep and it started raining hard and people were singing and, and, and laughing. I still remember it was like a big party celebrating the blessing of God is here. I still remember it started getting deeper and it was like a foot or two deep. And in my dream I, I saw this one little kid, he's, he's swimming in the lane between the altar and the, you know, he's coming, coming right at me. And I'm thinking, wow, this is amazing. And all of a sudden the water got too deep and, and some kids, it was it was coming to their neck. And so parents started to panic and put their kids up on the pews that we had in that facility. And it was urgent. I, I saw the dilemma, and I, I just said, God, don't let it rain anymore. or This could get dangerous really fast. And, and all of a sudden, it, it was like in no time. The water was so deep. People were panicked. People were holding up their kids, and people started screaming. And I started yelling, open the doors, open the doors. And we, people ran out to the side doors, and they tried to open the doors, but it's like they were welded shut. All the blessing was inside the house, all the rain was inside the house. I can still remember I ran down that back aisle and I grabbed the bars on that doors and I shook them and I started, and they were, the water's right here. And I looked outside the door where it was hot and parched in summer, and there was no blessing. But there was a homeless man who was dressed, just, just shattered, he just was, it was a, a helpless picture and he had a hobo sack over his shoulder, which I have no idea why that was in the dream. How many of you know what I mean when I say a hobo? Like a stick with a little pouch on the back? I don't know. That was the picture, though. If you know what that means, tell me, okay? But he was walking slowly with the cane up to the door. And he looked right at me this far away. And I'm screaming. I'm panting, I'm saying, open the door. And he reaches out and he opens the door. And all of that water goes out into the hot desert land. And it was like I woke up in this cold sweat. And I felt like God was saying to me, don't keep the blessing inside the house. This church does not exist for us to sit by and be, quote, blessed. I'm amazed when that happens. When a church becomes ingrown, it's a very ugly picture. I thank you that that's not the case here, but I've seen churches when it, when it's about your nice little parking place and you getting the seat you want and you getting the temperature you want and the music you want and the choices you want and the volumes you want, and it's all so selfish. This is not a Christian club. We are a church. We are a family, and we are called to do the miraculous on the earth and bring the kingdom of God to this earth, and that's why I'm in it. So, long story short, God shortly after that sent a stripper named Nikki. (laughs) How many remember Nikki? She doesn't even know the impact she had on our church. But her salvation and some of her friends and others in that arena started filling up our church. The hurting, the broken, the dying. And it changed the dynamic of who we are today. Many of you have come as a result of that change and that shift in our thinking. And who would have thought? from Nikki in those days to now buying a strip club and putting a new campus there, God truly does have a vision and a passion and somewhat of a sense of humor. (laughs) Number four, really the last main thing that I wanna tell you about this campaign and why I'm asking you to believe and get, get involved in it is a new direction of priority. We have a lot of priorities at Timberline. We have charts, we have things that we Map and follow and look through to to be good at what we're doing in a way that honors God. Look at Mark chapter 10. This really touches me. Verse 13. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. Could you imagine? Can't you just see Peter and some of the disciples going, Go away. Jesus does not like kids. You are a pest. Move on, move on. And when Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. God loves kids. God loves children. How many of you have children? You love your children. How many of you have teenagers? God sometimes loves teenagers. <laughs> when we built this facility in like 2001 or 2 or whenever it was, we intentionally made all of our spaces bland and vanilla. We said we want multi-use rooms, and so our East Auditorium, our Arts Center, all these rooms were just the same. Same color, same everything. It's beautiful, it looked great, but we wanted prime timers in there, we wanted youth in there, we wanted all rooms, and, and we built it that way on purpose, but I think it's way over time, and those days are done. We are committing to go all out for our children and our youth. I have never been more excited about a remodel in a church that I am right now. And I'll tell you why, and this, this, I have a lot of passion in me right now, sorry if I can't make it through all this, but our kids are being assaulted in this world. They have never had to put, they have never, I don't think of a time, what I went through as a teenager, as a kid, it's, it's that times 10 or 20 with social media and bullying and the challenges and pornography and drugs and issues that are right in their hands right in their hands. For those of you who are teenagers here, for those of you who are young adults, I just wanna say, I don't understand how you can cope the way you do, but we are praying for you as a church and we believe in you and we're gonna make an investment. We're gonna make an investment and we're gonna tear out some of these walls and we're gonna build a youth center that teenagers want to come to. It's gonna be a space that they're gonna love. We're going to show you in two weeks some of the drawings of what we want to do in a remodel for that East Auditorium in our Kids Blast area. You're not going to believe it. It is so amazing. And and I just want your kids, I want your kids to get out of the car when they pull into this parking lot. And I want them to want to run to this facility run to it because they can't wait to get here because they feel loved, they feel protected, they feel encouraged, they feel taught, they feel discipled, and they walk out different kids and it gives them hope and it gives me hope that they can have a future that some kids never will have because Timberline Church said, we're going to take care of our kids and we're going to take care of our teenagers. (laughs) Sorry. I I was so tickled the other day I walked out to where our little playground is and some of you parents were out there watching your kids play and it's just so, it's fine that we have it, no disrespect, but it's just, it's so lame. The slide is like this tall. And a church like this, I'm saying, really? And it's all these parents lined up, and their kids are playing. And I, we just start thinking, and Pastor Donnie, he's a dreamer, and, and we said, what would, it, what would it be like to just build a massive playground for kids out on this, all that North Lawn does right now is suck water. Why don't, why don't we build a city kind of playground where families can't wait to get here to just watch their kids play in a safe environment? Why can't that be, why can't we be a rallying point for families who wanna come to this space? We can be, and we will be like we've never had before. The last thing about that is, I'm gonna introduce the Fire Bible for kids in two weeks. You're not gonna believe it. It's a digital breakthrough, and I'm gonna show you, we're gonna illustrate it live right on this platform. And I'm, I'm praying that every kid in this church will have a Fire Bible and a device that will let them use it like a tablet of some kind so we're going to buy iPads for everybody in the church, and we had no, that was a joke. Take that out of the recording. The last three things are really fast. Number five, the three things we want to believe God for at Timberline. Number one, remodel Timberline spaces for our youth and children. This is huge. We're going to do it. Number two, a new level of generosity through tithing and percentage giving. You guys, we've always been a really good project-giving church. It blows my mind how generous you are. But anytime pastors start talking about tithing, bringing 10% of your income, people get nervous. Two things happen. People who are not tithing get really angry about it because all we want is your money, which is not true. What's true is Malachi 3.10. Go read Malachi chapter 3. That's the only time in Scripture where God says, test me and let me prove it to you. We talked about doing a 90 day guarantee where if you don't, if, if God doesn't bless you, help you, encourage you forward, then we'll just give you your money back after 90 days. But that, that gets complicated with IRS rulings <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> but I would say to you, tithe for 90 days and if if you can't afford it, then stop tithing. I, I believe it's, 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 it's how the blessing of God is released in our lives in many ways and so so, Get the, get the guilt off of you. If you have a blanket on you that's like getting tight right now and nervous and oh, I don't tithe and here's my reasons and I, just stop it. Just get that off of you. This isn't going to be a church that pulls your teeth out. This is between you and God. But what would happen if the people who call this their home church, what if we were a 100% tithing church? I promise you it would blow this city away and it would blow this world away, the things that we could accomplish for the kingdom of God here. We could take open spaces for the kingdom of God. I promise you, pray about it. The last thing is redeeming an open space. We're splitting this campaign, all the dollars that come in, we're gonna split it 50-50 between our children, youth, and between the remodel and an opening of a new church where the Hunt Club has been. We're gonna trust God that he can fund both of those things through this campaign. It's gonna be... It's gonna be amazing, take out this card. It's in the chair back in front of you. It's called Open Spaces Giving Card. We may not even want, need these back today, but over the next three, four weeks, we're gonna ask you to turn one of these in. And this is not gonna be a big hard pull, like I said, no guilt, it's gonna be pray about. It. I want you to just know that what we're asking you to do is for 12 months to make a commitment to this campaign that you will give X amount. And for those of you that are gonna trust God to begin tithing, I don't really think you should give above your normal giving if you're gonna tithe. I think you should start with tithing and see what God does. Because it would be really difficult and stressful financially to try to give to a campaign on top of what you give and start tithing. So that's just my opinion. You do what God puts in your heart. But I'm gonna ask you to sign up and try to do these things for the glory of God. We'll be announcing where we are each week that goes by. It's gonna take a lot of money to buy that building, to move forward, to remodel it. There's a bunch of stuff. We've had some real significant help from Timberline people already, which I'll be talking about probably next week. But I want us to pray together. Lord, it's overwhelming to think the doors you're opening for us, and yet it's so encouraging. We're kind of scared. We're, we're kind of nervous, but we're, we're also really anticipating your touch and what only you can do. And we are grateful that your hand is on us. And we're going to trust you radically. We're going to just believe you. We're going to move forward. Lord, I want to pray for people. I would just, with your heads bowed, can I just talk to you for a second? One of the big moments of prayer that I want this weekend, God put in my heart just a few days ago when I was praying over this weekend. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and just said, you know, you're you're unveiling a lot of vision and heart and passion that you've been talking about and living in for the last few years. And there are going to be people there. It's their first time to hear it. And their life is so overwhelming to them right now that they've lost purpose and identity. They don't have personal hope. And it's going to be pretty hard for them to put that on this template of all this big stuff and all these big dreams. And so I I feel I want to start by praying with some of you right now that say, I have I've just kind of gotten disoriented with life. I, I've lost some personal hope, and I'm not sure about a clear vision for my life and future, and it could be financial or relationships or job related, all these pressures and tensions and issues. I wanna pray over you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you just slip up a hand right now, please? Just hold it up for a second. Church, help me pray for these. These are your brothers and sisters. Lord, we are family. And it hurts to see hands go up with people who feel that disillusionment. We've all been there. I know I've been there. And I just know, God, that sometimes it's, it's just one seed that can be planted of hope that you can put in me, you can put in us, you can put in my family, my brothers and sisters right now that makes all the difference. And so I just ask you to do that in that way that only the Holy Spirit can. Let it be personal and real. Let it be powerful. We love these people, God. We ask you to bring them to a place of perfect health and strength emotionally. And then lead us now as we go forward to make a difference in our community and in the world with all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, wow. It's pretty exciting, you guys. It's fun to do this together with you. And we'll, we'll have fun trying some stuff. And you know, I always said, I've told you this for years. We're gonna try this. And if it doesn't work... We're gonna go back to what wasn't working before, right? I should just you. Let's give, give with joy, be a cheerful giver, and uh, I really mean it when I say we're not. If you if you already know what you want to do, if God's already put it in your heart, then feel free to put this in now. I. I typically like it when people take it and pray over it and think about it, but we you'd be shocked at people at Timberline who go, nope, I'm in, get the checkbook, honey. You know, it's like, we're, we're just gonna do it right now and that make that monthly commitment. You do what you want, but we'll be talking about that each week with no pressure, just the real need. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to give today. Thank you for people who are so generous, it sometimes amazes me. Thank you. God, for our new people here today who have never been here before, Show them that this part of the service really isn't for them to participate in, but let them feel your presence, your love, your grace. Be their partner in life. In your name. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask uh, our prayer team to come up here and be available to pray with any of you for any need you might have. One final thought that I need to say. As, this, as these stories unfold, not everybody is happy that that club is closing. And I don't think that the danger factor is high, but I I think we need to just be prayerfully considering that we are invading a very dark territory. And we need to be prayerful and vigilant to do this with kindness and grace and openness to what God wants for the future. And so be mindful of that as you talk about this and then can be sympathetic, be caring, be loving, And let's believe God for some stories after the story of God showing up in people's lives that is fully unexpected. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus does. Lord, go before us. Surprise us again this week. Do the unexpected through us personally and together as a family. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Remember, the service starts now. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thanks for coming to Timberline.